mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers, and welcome to another episode of the Silicon Theory Podcast. As always, I am your host and moderator, Sean, and with me tonight, very special guest, Sean P. Say hello, Sean P. What's going on, guys? Tonight, we're going to take a look back at Google I.O. 2017, and uh, in the interest of uh, full disclosure and fair warning, most of what we're about to discuss is even more nerdy than usual, if that's even possible. Uh, But let's be real. Google I.O. is a software developer conference primarily. Uh, That means a lot of stuff's not going to appeal to the common layperson. We clearly are not the common layperson, so a bunch of the stuff that interests us might not be as exciting to you, but you will likely be impacted by some of the developments that were announced at this last three days event. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what was interesting to each of us. Uh, I have one very uh, disappointing item that I feel strongly about that I'd like to cover, and, uh, and then we'll wrap it up after that. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. Excellent. So uh, first things first, the biggest things that were of interest to me uh, primarily came around from Android O. So the first thing I want to talk about is notification dots. Everybody's new favorite badging system. Um, I think I like the implementation, question mark. Um, I used to use Nova, the Tesla unread counter on my Nexus 6P and most of my previous phones. Uh, the Pixel launcher doesn't have this until Android O is released, obviously. Uh, I like the app shortcuts that came with Nougat. Uh, I use them often. Um, after looking at some of the information regarding the notification dots, I am worried that they might be too cluttered uh, if they do too much more with this functionality. But um, just to kind of rewind, basically what this is is for the apps that are on your home screen, when you get a new notification for that app, so a new uh, Twitter message, say, for example, a new text message or a new comment on Instagram, a little dot color-coded to the app will pop up over the app itself, and this will mirror the functionality that's going on in the notification shade. Um, I like it. I think it's a good idea. I think you can long press on the app to interact with the notification itself, so it makes it a little bit easier to quickly jump to uh, responding to things on your phone, like messages and stuff. What uh, What do you think, Sean? I think it's fine. Dipping dots. I mean, look. Come on, I, man. I use Nova Launcher, and I'm using, as of about a month ago, with the newest beta, they have this feature more or less where it actually, you know, when you get a text message from someone, it has a little dot that has the person's name on it. Or if you're listening to a podcast, it, it shows that. So I have it now. Uh, it has some use. It's fine. Look, man, I'm going to be straight with you. <laughs> let's just let's just be real here. Google I.O. for me this year, real snooze fest, man. I mean, you know, aside from Google's amazing announcement, they're, they're finally doing a unified messaging system. Oh wait, that didn't happen. Oh no, 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 nothing. Allo, nothing. Some lame stuff. I, I can't. I don't, man, I tried to get into Google I/O. Like the first day passed, and I reread the keynote uh, notes, and then I reread them again, and then I reread them a third time, and I kept searching for features that I cared about, and I can't get there. I couldn't find anything. And the dip in dots. Not doing it for me. I feel like I have a superior implementation now, and if dots is one of your big selling points, you're doing it wrong. Uh, a couple things. One, uh, I know that a lot of people feel the same way that you did, that um, there were kind of two differing opinions on the interwebs. 
Uh, a lot of people said it was boring and didn't like it for that reason. And a lot of people said it was boring and that was a good thing because Google is doing some things very iteratively to improve their existing products rather than announcing another chat platform, which thank God didn't happen. Like, I don't care if they don't say anything about Allo. Like, they could don't even have to mention the word Allo ever again. But as long as they don't launch another messaging platform, then that's a win in my Hey, mind. hey, you know what would have been a better idea? Making Allo useful. Hey, pop quiz for you. How many people you know that are using Allo right now? Hashtag stickers, come on. Yeah, the answer is zero. I tried it the first day and then went, oh, I'm never using this again until they make it useful. And a year has passed and nothing happened. I mean, our first pod, I think, last year that we ever did was making fun of Google for the fact that they couldn't get this right. Pretty much. So it's just, it, it boggles my mind <clears throat> still to this day that we're still, another Google I.O. has passed and that still has not been fixed. Now, it wasn't even discussed. It was worse than not fixed. They just kind of like swept it under the rug. Because it's working. It's working just fine. It's good for them, right? And uh, the second thing I'll say is that I'm actually a little disappointed I didn't come up with a Dippin' Dots joke myself. Uh, I feel that's a great oversight on my part. But uh, yes, Google I.O. maybe didn't have any interesting, life-shaking, hardware-related stuff. Hopefully most of that will come later on this year. But I do think that there were some things that were interesting. And in that, I may differ a little bit from you. Like, in reading the recap, I was actually excited, uh, question mark, about some of the things that we're going to talk about, um, probably because I am a little more invested in the stock Android ecosystem than you are. Um, and, you know, that's a good thing. We need to have a little bit of variety for everybody. Man, I like nerdy tech shit. And this was like, even for me, like snooze fest. But OK, since you're excited, let's move on to your, your next feature. Dippin' dots, baby. Um, one of the things that uh, probably we will also have you make a tremendous amount of fun of is the new Pixel Launcher's adaptive icons. I think this is a great idea. It is one less reason you need a custom launcher, and it's borrowing maybe slash stealing some of these ideas directly from those things. But honestly, I haven't used a custom launcher since I got the Pixel, and I'm not missing it that much. I love Nova, don't get me wrong. but. I would like to keep my phone as much stock Android as I possibly can. And I do like to switch things up from time to time. I'm not overly fond of just round icons. Um, so having the ability to do things like change them in the stock launcher to, to a square or rounded square or a squircle, even if I want to, dare I say a squircle or a cylinder, I think was the other option. Again, Maybe not the most transformative thing about Android O, but it is nice that they're building in additional functionality to the stock launcher that, uh, let's be honest, is kind of bare bones right now. Dude, I've been swapping icons in Nova since like 2011. I have two. Up until the Pixel, I have two. Again, is it nice that Google added this in? Sure, it's nice. Good for them. It's glorious. It's just really so like sleep inducing that I don't even know. I'm about to have a narcoleptic fit right now. If you hear thud listeners, it's my head hitting the board right in front of me from just boredom. I mean, again, this is a fine feature that every custom launcher on planet earth has had four years. So, okay, great. Google added it in. Fantastic. Last year, I remember myself repeating this phrase over and over again about Google IO. Hey, it's great that they did that. It's like not a huge deal and it's nothing offensive. It's fine. I feel the same way about the, sco- the dip and dots and this. It's fun. Adding these options in for users is great. It's good to have more options. I'm just having a tough time caring. <laughs> I will probably call it dipping dots for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> um, 
Moving right along. So, uh, let's talk about something super nerdy. Okay. There is a new API for physics-based animation effects for animations in Android O. So, I'm going to say this might be super nerdy, knowing that it's very nerdy. Uh, but I dig it. It's the logical progression of material design taken to the next level. Stuff is supposed to look real, and now it will behave on your display as if it was real, and behave and abide by the laws of physics. Very cool. Well, yeah, I mean, because when I think of my wish list of things that Android did, that was right at the top. I mean... It's got to be number two, at least. <laughs> if it's not number one, it's got to be number two. I wish you guys could see my face right now as he's reading this off. I, again... It's nice. I'm sure it will enhance the user experience and be a fine thing. <laughs> On the list of things that I care about, it's just really not there. Google. I think we've Jesus. established. I know. Haters like, gonna hate. Every Haters single thing gonna they hate. say until they fix messaging, I'm out. That's it. That's all I want to hear them say. Okay, no, no, I'll, I'll be better. It, it's fine. It's good to see them taking these steps, kind of future-proof the OS as the GPUs and whatnot get more powerful. It's like these are there's some nice little things that you can add in um, like this that it, it will. It'll make it more pleasant when you're using things and doing things. It's just pretty in the grand scheme of things, small for me. Then you're really gonna like the last thing on my list for Android O, which is the new actionable battery menu. So another nerdy thing, but making battery consumption information on your device easier to read and interpret are all steps in the right direction. The ability for you to be able to see whether or not the phone is using battery or apps are using batteries while it's in sleep mode or being actively used. These are all things, again, that other apps that you can get for free and or pay for will tell you that information. A lot of times it's mostly helpful if you have root, which if you don't, sometimes the functionality of those kind of apps is a little bit limited. Uh, I use GSAM Battery Monitor, for example, and without root, it, it only gives you a limited amount of information. Now, even that limited amount of information Still more than stock Android gives you by nature, but this is going to be a really cool feature, I think, in Android O that'll that'll help some people identify one of the biggest complaints about Android, which is battery leak issues and battery life in general. No, and this is one thing I actually can't get behind. Uh, Google made a big emphasis of this in their keynote that they're really working on battery life again, and this is something where they do need some work. I would say the biggest problem with Android battery life, and one of the things you see reviewers praise the Pixel for, is the Pixel is actually consistent. Most Android phones are not. When you're using them, some days they're pretty solid, and then other days, inexplicably, you'll pull up your phone four hours into the day and be like, what the hell's going on? And you look in your battery you know, area and the settings, and it tells you, oh, uh, Android OS is inexplicably running you know, your CPU full-time, and that's why your battery's dying. So it's nice to see them taking some steps in this direction. Uh, the, the Galaxy S8 Plus, which I'm using now, Samsung's battery management is insanely aggressive. And the downside of that is sometimes it's closing apps that aren't in memory anymore. But I will say on an upside standpoint, it's I've yet to really run into any of these those weird battery drain issues with this. So there, there's a double edge. And I think Google will probably be better at finding that middle ground. I think Samsung actually sacrifices performance to some degree for battery life. Uh, and I think Google, by building these things with the OS, can do it more efficiently. But this is one thing I actually am happy to see them do because... You just see this all the time, right? People are like, oh, the battery life of my phone sucks, and you look at it and you're like, I, can't, I have no real explanation for why it's terrible. Yes, you do. Go to your recent apps and kill Facebook, and then all of your battery life issues will magically go away. Whenever people complain, I don't have Facebook or Snapchat, so 
or Instagram. I have none of the three. And on any of my Android phones that I've ever owned, my battery life's been pretty consistent by virtue of that fact. I think those three apps are the worst. I saw something the other day saying they're talking about the size of apps, and I think the size of the Facebook app is up to like 630 meg or something freaking ridiculous. Yeah, it's giant. Um, so yeah, those three apps tend to be the worst. But anyway, again, this is one thing I actually can get behind. They do need more work in this arena. Google's gotten better in the last couple of OS uh, updates as far as battery management is concerned. They still have work to do. Apple is still superior as far as, you know, uh, consistency and kind of the linear nature of the way the battery goes. Apple does better still. Agreed. And I think that any step that Google can make uh, with respect to battery life is a step in the right direction. Um, that's pretty much it for what I saw from Android O. I... Uh, so one thing in Android oh, I absolutely love. Really? Do tell. For the first time ever, they are actually allowing you to put the percentage of your battery next to the battery <laughs> as an actual number. Instead of some janky little tiny icon in your little battery that's completely useless. Yeah, because you can't read it. They've done what every other Android OEM has done for the last five years and allowed you to do that. See, again, that's the kind of stuff that I can get behind. <laughs> I did read a ton of people who were... I literally read a few reports of that, and I'm like, wait a minute, you can't do that? You can't do that. I actually have been using a, a battery monitor app that does that very thing, just puts a number in your status bar, and I've been using it for years now. I actually have GSAM will do that too, so that's what I use now. But uh, it was really mind-boggling to look at that. Like the latest version of NuGet or the new version Android of 7.0 that allowed you the uh, option in the restart or the menu to restart your phone. Like it, it boggles me that it took seven generations of Android to get to the point where they would allow you just to restart your phone. And look, I'm just saying, everyone talks shit on touch with, justifiably so. But you've had the ability to do multi-window, restart your phone from the power button, and put the percentage in your battery bar for literally like seven, five years, seven Since years. Ever. I don't even know. So I'm glad to see Google get on board. That is a very good thing. It may be, and perhaps this is the theme of Google I.O. 2017 this year, minor improvements that do really enhance the user experience. Are you going to cover Google Assistant at all? The yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. We'll hit, we'll hit that then. That's a prelude. Okay, m moving on. Nothing else about O. One thing. That's all Are I we going to get a name? <laughs> Is it going to be Oreo? What, what's the over-under here? It's pretty much going to be Oreo. Okay, that's cool. Uh, unless they decide to change it up completely, instead of going with desserts, go with animals and call it Android Ocelot. So, so like they're gonna release limited edition Oreos where the chocolate's gonna have like an imprint on the Oreo on the top. Like it's gonna be an Android on top of the yeah. chocolate, probably. Probably Andy. That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'll buy some. Perfect. <laughs> Next up, uh, Google Home. So Google Home, which is the air freshener looking device that costs you $129 and has basically been in direct competition with uh, Amazon's Echo product and the Alexa AI uh, assistant, virtual assistant, uh, got some really cool updated features. Uh, the first of which, which is really exciting to me, hands-free calling is gonna be coming to the Google Home. So uh, your son has one of these in his bedroom. I'm very excited for him to start calling his friends and do it at midnight to 1 a.m. So I thought the same thing when I saw we, we got a Google Home that was originally in the living room for all of about, I don't know, two days till my first grade son co-opted it and took it in his room. And now I hear him asking Google things like, okay, Google, what's 89 plus 11 when he's doing his homework, which is fantastic because it gives him the answer. Um, but uh, yeah, the calling's kind of neat, actually. Um, 
you know, I could actually imagine myself buying a second one to actually replace the one that's supposed to be in the living room that my son has stolen and, and using it to call people occasionally. I don't always have my phone with me in every room and I can actually see some use for this. And, you know, I was thinking like for, for Jack, my son, he doesn't have a cell phone, but you know, if there was an emergency or he had to call someone, it would be kind of useful there. He won't use it for that. He'll just call the chat with people when he feels like it, but it's neat. Amazon did this with the Alexa first. And when it came out, I'm kind of like, ah, that's kind of cool. I wonder if Google will do that. And sure enough, they followed suit about two weeks later, and here we are. But it's a cool feature. Uh, the Google Home, it reminds me a lot of when I bought the Chromecast. When I bought the Chromecast, it didn't really do a whole lot. It streamed YouTube, and I was like, oh, man, someday this thing's going to be really cool. Now I use it constantly to stream all kinds of things, and it's, it's great. Google Home felt the same. Like when I bought it, I knew that the uses were limited at first. It couldn't even set calendar reminders and stuff at first. I mean, it was like pretty limited, but Google's really starting to fill out that feature set. And I think this calling piece is a huge part of that. I'm a little unclear what it's going to look like as far as how it's, you know, if it's tapping into my phone or if it's using Wi-Fi or what it's doing. I still haven't really seen specifics, but I think this will be useful and kind of cool. So I'm excited to see that. Absolutely. And uh, like I say, it's it's really great to see them enhancing some existing product lines. There wasn't a lot of use case for the um, Google Home at launch, but adding these and a couple of the features, which we'll talk about shortly, uh, really make it a much better value and a much greater value proposition when you're going to look to buy it. So speaking of Chromecast, one of the other features that they announced was that the Google Home will actually be able to seize control of your Chromecast connected displays to display visual data responding to your queries. So if you were to tell uh, your device the hot word and tell me uh, what the weather looks like, it could actually display that weather feature, the weather information up on your TV if it's connected to a Chromecast or send it to your phone if it wants to and it'll show you that uh, without you actually having to pick out your phone or take your phone out of your pocket or find it wherever it is and talk to it and things of that nature. So I thought that was kind of cool. Again, maybe a limited use case right now, but it can have some really cool implementations in the future, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think that you see what they're trying to do. It's like, I have a Nest that's uninstalled, actually, but we're going to install it eventually. And, and, you know, eventually, so we have a couple, we have a Chromecast, we have a Nexus player, we have a Google Home, we have, uh, you know, all of our phones are Android, and we have Chromecast and the whole deal. As these things can kind of integrate together and do things, there's going to be use cases for them. A lot of those right now, I think, are just a little abstract to me, and I'm not sure that... There, there's no there's no like killer feature that I'm necessarily yearning for, but all of these things are nice. I mean, they, they all will have use cases as we go along and, and having the ability to kind of connect and speak to each other, so to speak, uh, will be a nice thing. And like the weather thing, the example that you're giving me, I don't know if I care that much. Usually when I ask for the weather, I just want a number. Tell me what the high is, tell me what the low is, that kind of thing. But there may be times, you know, you know again, if I'm going on vacation or something, I say, hey, show me the weather for New York for a week and it could pop something up on the screen and I could really see what's going on. I think that's more useful than the Google Home just reading back to me a week's worth of you know, highs and lows for a location. So uh, it's, it's a neat feature. Again, I don't think that I'll probably end up using it all that frequently initially. Like I, I didn't see anything that I was kind of yearning to do, but long-term I'm sure there will be stuff that I kind of go, oh, that's cool or useful. So Absolutely. And you mentioned the calendar reminder thing. That was one of the features that it gained was the ability to tell it to add reminders to your calendar. That's kind of a fun thing. The reminder situation in general is kind of a hot mess, but um, being able to integrate it with your Google Home is actually kind of a nice thing because then you can actually have it display those reminders on your phone's calendar. That's a cool thing. 
Um, usually, again, when I'm thinking of stuff, it happens when I'm in my car or when I'm thinking about it and I'm not near my phone. So the ability to just tell the air, hey, do this for me, and the Google Home will listen and actually take action on it. It's kind of a cool thing. So Yeah, I said it was a bizarre oversight that it couldn't set calendar invites. I'm like, what? What? That's that's such an obvious use case. And I, Google Now, or the... Um, the pre- previous to Assistant, what do we call that? It yeah. was Google Now, right? Google Now, yeah. Google Now could do that. And then Assistant came out, and Assistant really like is quite a bit better and more complex, but couldn't do that, so it was, it was very strange. Yeah, there's some integration stuff there. The Assistant on the home and the Assistant on the phone don't talk to each other. They're not the same thing. It's Yeah, that part of it is still Google, still a hot mess with. But um, one of the other cool things that was announced for home is the ability to become a Bluetooth streaming from any device. So that'd be kind of neat. If you've got something playing on your phone, you can actually turn your Google Home into a connected Bluetooth connected speaker. That's kind of fun. I have a uh, Beats Pill that I used to use for that kind of thing and don't use it a lot anymore. But when we travel, that's kind of nice. And if you're home, you just want an ability to get... Uh, occasionally we'll, because I have two toddler age children in the house, and occasionally I want to turn off the TV so they actually pay attention to me from time to time, and I can't stand the silence in the house, so I use my phone just to play whatever, you know, Google Play Music has for me, and the tinny audio that comes out of the bottom of my pixel is not fantastic. The sound quality from the home might be marginally better, so that would be kind of an improvement if I had one at the house anyway. Hey, my son blasts his all the time with enough Justin Bieber music to make me weep, so there you go. He loves it. Uh, probably enough to make the world weep, so... That's uh, that's all I got on Google Home. Anything you thought of Home that was uh, interesting to you? No, I think you covered most of the basics. Um, it actually got an update. I don't think we ever discussed where it can finally uh, disseminate between two voices mm. now, which it couldn't do previously. That was another one of my beefs is there's three of us in the house, and it can't tell the difference when you're doing things, and now it can do that. So that's nice, too. Uh, I, again, I set my – this is excellent parenting, by the way. My 7-year-old, you know, I set up the OK Google on his uh, – tablet recently so he, and he uses the google home and it can kind of like distinguish between us so that's that's great hopefully that means less justin bieber in my youtube feed and that's what uh that's what we all need in our lives less justin bieber um google assistant got some cool features um a couple of things that were interesting to me actually one thing that was really interesting to me is it's now available on ios so full disclosure, um, I'll probably be writing something up for this uh, on this for the site. So look for that soon coming to SiliconTheory.com. But the fact that Google is allowing this to coexist on iOS devices as a direct Siri competitor is really interesting to me. You know, it's funny. Like Google Assistant is ahead of everything else as far as the AI assistants are concerned. I actually think this is where Google is the most cutting edge of anyone. This is an area where they're the best. And it's been kind of interesting to watch. I think when this all happened initially, it was like you had, uh, you know, Google Now at the time, which is now Google Assistant, and then you had Siri and Cortana. Um, and then Alexa from Amazon came on kind of late on the scene. And it's kind of interesting. I actually think the two front runners, the best of those right now, are Alexa and Google Assistant. So I, I think Apple and, and Microsoft, which are these two tech giants, have kind of fallen behind actually in this regard. Um, and it's funny, in, in the kind of like battle for the home, I actually think Alexa's ahead of Google right now, which is interesting too. Amazon seems to be a step ahead of them. But as far as just digital assistance though, the Google Assistant's very, very impressive. Um, I think it's the most natural when you're speaking to it. And it's it, 
when I ask it things or do things, it, it gets it right at a staggeringly high you know, level, generally speaking. In fact, when you watch it translate your voice into words on the screen, it's gotten so good now, it doesn't even miss words anymore. Like, I, I, there was times before in Google Now where it got enough of the words correct that it kind of grabbed the context and gave it to you, but it, it literally just gets it right. So, Google Assistant, Apple's tweet, you know, excuse me, um, Google's tweaking it, and they, they made a lot of a lot of the discussion of Google I.O. was centered around it, and it's it might be my favorite product that they kind of have going right now in a lot of ways. And I agree. Um, they mentioned at I.O. that the speech recognition uh, error rate was down below or around 5% right now, which is pretty damn good. Like, when you say uh, the AI will listen to you and get your voice and the context correct 95% of the time, I think anybody who has an iPhone and uses Siri knows that their recognition rate's probably a little bit lower than that. It's not just the voice recognition either. The actual results, like the contextual piece that Google always speaks to, it's better at that. It, it does. It it's better detecting context and you know getting you an answer that makes sense for your query more so than the others. I feel like Siri because I, I have an iPhone and so do you. Siri a lot of times like it picks up on a keyword and it displays something to you that oftentimes you can find the information you need, but it's pretty clear to me that it didn't necessarily understand exactly what you were trying to direct it to do. The big joke of Siri is no matter what you ask it, the response that you get is here's what I found on the web. Here's what I found on the web, which is utterly and ultimately useless to me because if I'm using my voice to interface with it, I probably don't have time to freaking click on the web link. I want an actual voice response answer. Siri's not great at doing that, and while the Google Assistant isn't perfect, it's still quite a bit better than Siri, for sure. Absolutely better in my experience. The other things that were relatively interesting to me about Google Assistant, and then I'll throw it to you, were... Uh, one relatively minor thing, which is that now it gained uh, the access to the Google Assistant via keyboard. So instead of just speaking out loud to your device and expecting it to robotically understand you an answer, like some kind of future toy, uh, you can actually type in. So if you're in public, you don't have to embarrass yourself either by talking to your phone. You can long press on the home button, for me in the case of the Pixel, and just start typing away what queries you have of the Google Assistant. That's kind of fun. Uh, not a really life-shaking feature, but again, incremental update and probably a worthy one. I think a worthy one It should have been there since day one, in my estimation. There just are times when it's inappropriate to speak to your device, and having that ability is nice. And the other thing that came out of that was these two new tabs that come up when you launch the Google Assistant. One is an Explore tab that gives you some information on what you can actually do with the Assistant. So that's kind of neat. Rather than asking it, what can you do for me, and having it list off a very short list of things, you can actually scroll through a list and it's separated by category. So things like social and communication, education and reference, music and audio, productivity, games and fun, all of these things give you short tutorials and will allow you to use the Google Assistant even better than it currently is. The second tab is called Your Stuff, and it is an area where your reminders, calendar agendas, shopping lists all hang out. It also includes shortcuts, which to me is kind of the biggest thing to come out of these two tabs. And the shortcuts are basically like macros, that if you use the hot word and give it a specific set of commands, and for example, I have one called leaving work. So if I say the hot word, leaving work, Google Assistant automatically knows to send my wife a text message and the text message contains a very specific language. So basically like, hey, I'm leaving work, I'm on my way. I don't have to type it, all I have to do is verbally tell my phone 
a set of commands, basically four words, and it'll automatically execute a set of instructions. And that's kind of the base level function of what it can do. To me, that's really pretty damn cool and probably one of the neatest things to come out of IO for me in total. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I saw this feature and didn't really, I don't think grasp what it was until you told me the example earlier before we got on air. I could see lots of uses for that. And uh, it's actually pretty neat. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of like um, Tasker in some mm. ways, like, yeah. you know, based on the context, it, it executes a set of, you know, commands. So like, you know, I, I don't know how deep it goes. If you could tell it, hey, I'm at work now and it would connect to a Wi-Fi network and shut off certain other, you know, put it on silent or whatever else. So I'm going to have to dig in a little bit and see what he can do. But I really like the idea that you can do that. Um, it's pretty neat. It is very neat. And I think, again, much like with the Chromecast example that we used before, um, the use case for that right now may be limited, but I think Google will probably build in additional functionality into the assistant as they continue to basically expand their restriction of services in the background and perhaps give you, with that restriction, a little bit more flexibility and control over some of the things that you can't do right now without root. Um, I think that would be a really, really useful tool for the Google Assistant to do, even if some of the other things are just kind of limited to adding reminders and setting calendar appointments and stuff like that. No, I think it's great. I can imagine a day where Google Assistant will see that you do a certain set of behaviors every single day when you get to work and do things and just start automatically asking you if you want to do it or even doing it. So I have to imagine that's the next step. But yeah, this is kind of a step beyond, you know, when you get up in the morning now, it'll give you traffic to work, right? Like it'll do certain things, but yep. that that would be the next step for me. It's like, you know, I have a very set, when I get in my car, I launch a podcast and I uh, turn on navigation to work, um, just to check traffic. And there's certain things I do every single day, you know, so then when I get to work, I put it on silent mode and I do these things. And I, and I do that usually within a very strict window of time. So Again, I can imagine the next step to this would be that it'll start logging those activities and start asking you if you want to do it automatically. And boy, I, I would love that. Uh, I think that there's a huge use there. It would be so nice for it to just do things that I'm doing every day anyway. And obviously, they're laying the groundwork to be able to do that. Automation's the way of the future. The way of the future. The way of the future. <sighs> that's a that's a very timely reference to the Aviator. <laughs> The movie that came out in the early 2000s? Yeah, in the early 2000s. And I think the running time's roughly 20 hours. 21, I yeah, think. Yeah, mother of God, that film's long. It's a long movie, but good on you, Leo. You made some cash, dog. Martin Scorsese, edit. Boom. So, um, anything else that you wanted to talk about from I.O. from the Google Assistant? No, I think that was it for Google Assistant. I, I thought that was actually the most interesting stuff. I I agree, and there is... Uh, that's only the, the tip tip of the iceberg when it comes to the announcements that were done at Google I.O. So um, I'll have a post up shortly on the site. If you're listening to this and you want to visit the site, I'll have some bunch of links that'll direct you to all of the information. But there was one more thing that I wanted to talk about because of all of the interesting things that I read and saw and heard from Google I.O., there was one very curious thing that was incredibly disappointing to me, and that was the new look to the Pixel Launcher, if it's true, because it was a device that was in a sandbox, and so it may not make it to the final release, but this, quite honestly, may be one of my least favorite changes to the OS. Uh, Bringing the search bar back instead of the pill that's on the current Pixel Launcher and putting it on the bottom is really, really ugly looking. Uh, Since the Google Assistant is a long press away and can basically do much of the same stuff that the search bar can, I'm not sure that I get it. 
I mean, I get it. Like the look of it is designed for these tall new phones like the G6 and the Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus where that 18 and a half by nine uh, viewing angle ratio is very narrow or skinny and really tall. So yeah, you might not be able to touch the top of your phone uh, and having the search box at the bottom of your phone might make a little more sense, but not at the expense of making my phone's home screen look friggin' hideous. And I said this off air and I'll say it again. I have the Pixel Launcher. I haven't used Nova Launcher, any other custom launcher. If Android O brings that look that they showed at Google I.O. with a search bar right above where the app tray is, I will absolutely get a stock or a, a custom launcher, remove the stock launcher, and never look back without question. So, okay, you're talking to a guy that never uses the stock launcher. I use the stock launcher for exactly however long. When I boot up my phone, it takes to download Nova and put it on. Um, so I saw the picture too. Tim Schofield, who's a, a reviewer and Android guy, uh, posted the, the, screen, the screenshot that Sean's referring to. Um, I don't think it's the best thing ever, certainly. Um, I, you know, I'm wondering if they're going to offer it as an option. Like if you have the taller phone, it's something that you can, you can have if you want, because it, it might make some sense in that context. But I'm kind of with you on this one, actually. I don't like the look of it. I I would never, ever, ever have that on my phone, actually. Um, I would change immediately as well. I think to your point, too, like, I don't even have a Google search bar on my phone right now. I got, I got rid of it. I haven't used it for, got a couple of years now. <laughs> because you can long press the home button and just get to Google Assistant or whatever you want to do. So, um, look, let's not forget, Google's bread and butter business is their search engine, right? So they're always trying to look for ways to filter you to their search engine. So again, I can get why they would want to make this prominent, make it easier to reach for you so that you're more apt to use it, I suppose, especially on these taller phones. But I agree with you that the implementation's poor. I, I don't like the way it looks, and I would change it immediately as well. I believe the title of uh, Schofield's uh, thread with the picture was something like, U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. Uh, uh, you ugly. I thought it said worse than Hitler. Probably both. I didn't read the whole post. I saw the picture and immediately uh, wanted to vomit. So It's, it's ugly. It, I don't think it'll make it to protection. I pray every night that that's true. So I think uh, that's all that I've got regarding the look back at Google I.O. 2017. Anything that we missed that you can think of that needs pressing attention? No, I mean, in some ways, again, like this year, last year we yelled at them a lot for a lot of their puzzling decisions. This year was more for me just a a yawn. I, I kind of, we're, we're at the place now where the OS is mature. We've talked about this before. I wasn't expecting like something groundbreaking per se, but this year seemed even a little bit sleepier to me than, than normal. And maybe these, you know, a, a lot of these things maybe are just areas where they're rolling out things initially that over the years will become great. But right now their initial use case just isn't there. Um, Worldwide Developer Conference, which is Apple's big conference, is coming up in June. June. And uh, they're going to supposedly you know, have a new iPad and their version of Alexa. Um, Siri the home Echo, speaker. Yeah, yeah, home speaker. So we'll have to see what they have. I think Apple, too. I think everyone is in kind of the same boat here. There's just there's not really anything groundbreaking. It's harder to impress us because these things do everything so well at this point already. Um, but having said that, yeah, man, I, I really... You know, this this was like a nerd holiday, like for years. And this year, I think I had meetings during the actual conference and got on afterwards and kind of read the, you know, synopsis of what they showed and went, where's like, what, where, what, where's the cool stuff? What's going on here? This, uh, this is stuff small. Um, 
so yeah, there you go. And I think for me at least, it's a that was a good thing. A lot of the years past have been Google throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And now I think they've maybe moved beyond that. I think. Uh, as we've talked about, the Android OS is maturing. I think maybe, hopefully, potentially, Google as a, a company is maturing and they're realizing after many long years of us and many other people yelling at them that they don't need 63 messaging platforms. They don't need 53 different pieces of hardware that they have to support. They really just need a couple of things that are really good and then they need to improve those things. Uh, I listen to a couple of different podcasts and generally they will make a big deal about the, I'll use Google Home as an example, um, you know, Google Home versus Amazon uh, Echo and the Alexa AI. Like Alexa gets uh, skills added like every week and they make a big deal of adding these skills of, hey, your Alexa with Echo can do these new things. Like Google Home when it came out was kind of like, hey, here's Home. It looks like an air freshener and it's got some speakers. It's good. Thanks. Bye. And it basically just sat there and didn't really do much. And they announced some really significant improvements to it this year. And I hope that that continues. I hope that that trend continues. And for me, it wasn't so much a snooze fest as, hey, Google saying we realize that these things needed improvement. And so we improved them. And, you know, small though that might be, that's a good thing. I agree. Although, for fuck's sake, Google, if you don't, the messaging thing like makes my brain implode. You have no idea how many people I know that the sole reason they will not switch to Android is because of messenger, you know, messenger. I message it. I message. I just, I don't understand, especially with the rollout of RCS, now that we're going to have this rich, you know, communication system or whatever it stands for. I can't remember mm-hmm. the acronym. Yeah. Like this is the time. Um, I know they're working with all these OEMs to have this kind of like generic certificate, but it's like, they really need to fix that. It's, as I said, I, I know, so many people that that's the only reason they won't switch and, and because otherwise I think as far as form factors and price and whatnot a lot of the OEMs have surpassed Apple in, in a lot of ways and so it's like I just I oh god just end the pod now because I'm going to start yelling oh alright there we go <laughs> yeah that's right yeah, I think we can agree. Uh, Google needs to get that right. They need to get some people on it and get it fixed because I think that would definitely show uh, a sign of their maturity as a company realizing that this was a complete foobar and, and fixing it would be a very long and hard step in the right direction. So, Like, an aloe is a dumpster fire right now. It's doing nothing. It just is sitting there being a turd. I have it installed on my phone. I use it 0% of the time for anything. Like, they made a huge deal out of this. And you know what? It wouldn't take much to make aloe be what we all want. I just don't understand why they're not doing it. They must have a reason. There must be something I'm missing or else they just blow. I don't know. One or the other. Google, uh, I for one never question our Google overlords because they are very powerful. And one day the Google insistent will enslave us all and probably force us to use Allo, Hangouts, Android messages, and their other messaging client that I can't think of right now. So what will happen first? Trump getting impeached or Google making a unified messaging format? Uh, no bet. No bet. No bet. Come on, man. Dive in. Not a chance. I say impeachment. (laughs) And boom goes the dynamite. (laughs) So there you have it, folks. There's your Google I.O. 2017 look back. Uh, As always, you can find all of our musings at SiliconTheory.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SiliconTheory. Or drop us a line in our inbox, SiliconTheory at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. And we'll talk tech soon. Can't wait to do another Google I.O. next year. Heyo!